We are continuing our series um, in, in 2 Peter, really, or based on 2 Peter, where he talks about that idea that as you mature in faith, as you keep growing, then you keep on adding to your faith characteristics, really. Your character develops, and you uh, are aware of that, but you work with God so that that happens for you. In other words, change doesn't happen just by someone going, I'll pray for you, and then it's done. But it's kind of like that determination to make decisions, to take wise actions, and to change. And when we do that, when we become start to exhibit different characteristics when we act differently people notice i go to a guy on the height called foxy for a haircut some of you go as well i know that i can tell just by looking (laughs) now the sadness is that um uh, you know year by year month by month i'm feeling he's getting money for doing less and less with me But I'm really good friends with Foxy. It's a little bit like being in a strange old church because we greet each other with a hug and we finish with a hug. It's very odd. Um, But we do that. And, um, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of really glad that I go, I think. Because I know this. I'm not just, I mean, I know that I can sometimes overestimate my own, you know, influence. Um, But he says to me, he says, I'm glad you come. I'm, I'm, some of you know this because I've told you before. Um, that it's a, if you've never been to Foxes, and half of you at least never need to, the other half, try it. If you go on a Friday afternoon, you get free a beer, um, which is good news, but the bad news is he, he also drinks it. <laughs> That's not such good news. Um, but he says to me, he'll tell me that some of you have been in. Mike? Yeah, I know. And, um, and he'll go, I like it when your lot come. He said, because it's a better class of customer. <laughs> now that tells you a lot about anybody else, doesn't it? <laughs> and when I'm in there doing it, and there's other guys in, and we're all chatting, and uh, there's a lot of effing and jeffing going on. And he'll keep whispering to me, I'm sorry. And I keep saying to him, I have no idea what those words mean. <laughs> Could you explain them? And, uh, but he, 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 he has said on lots of occasions, I'm glad you come and I'm glad your, your, your folks come because it kind of takes, takes the bar up a bit. Now, I think in some ways he's making a bit of a joke, but I actually know in a lot of ways he's really grateful. In other words, the way we are when we're sitting in the chair for, in Mike's case, three minutes, in my case, five minutes. (laughs) The way we talk and the things we talk about and the reactions we have make a difference. Now, I never go into Foxes thinking, right, today I'm going to be nice. I just go in and get my hair cut. Sometimes when there's nobody else in the shop, we can talk about church. When there's a lot of other people in the shop, we talk about football. But I don't go to evangelize. I just go 
because I need my haircut. And I suspect that happens more than you are aware of. I think that one of the, the things that Jesus calls us to is that every interaction we have with people, people are glad we've been. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to they're glad we've left. I think every interaction, what we're able to do with people is remind them what humanity looks like. Remind them what being human at its best is like. Remind them that we know that they're an individual. They're not just a face of something. Remind them that we are in it together. Remind them that we appreciate them when they do it well. And interestingly, the people that we need to do that with the most are the people that we know the least. The people we have to do it with the most are the people we know the least. It's the people who serve you, uh, in, in, you know, in a restaurant or a pub. It's... I spent quite a bit of time in hospital this week with, uh, with my family, uh, with my father particularly. And it's the way I am with nurses. When it's not just them, but this is Lily, who's a nurse in Worcester, doing her best. And I think there's something about this idea that what Jesus does with us, who are his followers, is that he reconstructs us. Into his likeness. Well, what was his likeness? He wasn't just going around every day singing Christian choruses. What he was doing was interacting with people and meeting them. And they felt better for being with him because of the way he did deal with them. I want to be that sort of person. I want to be the sort of man that other people are glad has turned up. I want to be the sort of person that people go, it's better when he's around. Not because he's got much to offer, but just because of the way he is. The characteristic we've come to, and we've, we've done it in a, you know, sort of like we've been through faith and goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance, which was the, 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 the topic that Jimmy was preaching about last week. And it takes us to godliness. Godliness. Now the problem with godliness is, it's one of those Christian words that can make you sound like you're just of heavenly, so heavenly minded you're of no earthly use. It's kind of like in the religious sphere of words. But godliness actually has dirt under its fingernails. Godliness is about engagement and touch godliness is being down to earth with people godliness well what is it i think in some ways it's the link between the inner and the outward for those of us who follow jesus this is the promise that he will fill you with his spirit And you will have a power within you that will enable you to react differently to the situations that are just normal life. 
Being a Christian and being filled with the Spirit doesn't mean to say you avoid or you get to dodge all the difficult situations in life. But what happens is you have a power at work within you that enables you to react differently. And that's why Christianity and being a Christian begins not by, right, I'm really going to try hard now, but it comes by reception, receiving the Spirit who enables you to live really well. It begins with a power within. But it has to then radiate out, it has to be seen. Years and years and years and years and years ago, we used to, when the, when the Bible college, when Elin's Bible college was nearer to where we are, we used to get little groups of students come on placement. And decades ago, there was a, a, a young girl came and um, she always just looked so miserable. Do you know what I mean? She just, she had one of those unfortunate resting faces. Some of you might have another word in your mind right now to describe that resting face. But she did. And at Christmas, I said to her, I said, you just look so unhappy. If you don't, if this is not helping you, you don't need to come. I'll release you from this. She says, I am loving it. And and my reaction was, well, could you let your face know? Because you've you've thrown us. (laughs) For the last eight weeks, you've really, really persuaded us that you're not happy. It's kind of like the inner power of the spirit that enables you to react. Can you allow it to work out? Could you give people a clue? And so we think about this idea of godliness is formed as you know more about God. It's your God-created identity that reflects the Father. I've got two short readings this morning that Jill's going to do for us and I'm going to, in two bits. And I'm going to ask her to come and read the first. Peter has written about this in 1 Peter. Jill, can you just come and uh, read that first one for us? Just three verses um, about this idea of holiness and therefore godliness. Jill. The first reading is from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 to 16. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you When Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Thank you. So Peter Building to that be holy, because I'm holy, because God's holy, he, does, he, he moves um, people's thinking. First he starts, 
the first thing I want you to do, Peter says, is can you set your hope on the future? On the grace that will be revealed to you when Jesus, uh, the, the grace uh, that will be brought to you when Jesus is revealed. In other words, what helps us to live in the image of God? What helps us to live reacting differently? Well, Peter believes that one of the things that's going to help the Christians that he knew was keep your mind set on the future. Keep your mind on all that's ahead of you. If you think this is as good as it's get, you're just going to grit your teeth and try and get by. But there's a future that is more glorious than you have yet imagined. This is the sad truth for all of us as humans. That as we get older, bits of us start <laughs> failing to work quite as well as they used to do. All right? If you're under 30, rejoice. <laughs> and, and as you get older, it's easier to get really crabby or cynical or bitter. Or difficult. And Peter wants to say, actually, there's a future hope that's better than anything you've yet experienced yet. So set your heart on that. Set your mind on that. Live with that future in mind. In the message version, which is a paraphrase, as you know, of scripture that Eugene Peterson wrote. But in Colossians, he wrote this. It's a paraphrase of what... It it says in the original, the lines of purpose in your lives never grow slack, tightly tied as they are to your future in heaven, kept taut by hope. It is a great sentence. The lines of purpose in your lives never grow slack, tightly tied as they are to your future in heaven, kept taught by hope. In other words, you live with purpose now because you know there's eternity. You live with purpose now because you know there's eternity. So therefore, going back to Peter for a moment, So therefore, don't conform to the evil desires you used to have. Keep saying no to them, but be holy. Well, just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all you do. For it's written, be holy because I'm holy. Now, holiness is not, um, you know, no one's walking around going, well, actually, I am quite holy. Don't you know? Holiness in everyday speech is is too often linked to perfection. And that's not what the New Testament understands by holiness. It's actually not what the Bible understands about holiness. Holiness is much more about being set apart for God. I'm making certain decisions that I'm, I'm going to put God first. I'm going to do what he wants to do. I'm going to put into practice what Jesus has asked me to do as best as I can. And I'm going to grow in this. And so you become a Christian... Pretty much the moment you surrender, but you spend a lifetime growing in sanctification. You become holier. If it all goes well, you'll be at the holiest just before you take your last breath. 
It's not a bad thought, is it? You keep on growing. You keep on saying no to the things that would easily distract you and uh, trip you up. You keep saying yes to the right things and you grow more godly. And so, on a day like today, what does a holy parent look like? I don't know why I'm looking at you, Claire. I'm not particularly, I just, my eyes. But what does a holy parent look like? What does a parent look like who says, I want to be set apart for God here, in this family? What does a holy child look like? How do you honour fathers and mothers? And just by the way, by in brackets, you know that part of the Ten Commandments, honour your father and mother? It was never written for children. It was written for adults. How do you, as an adult, how do you honour your parents? What does it mean to be a holy husband? How does your wife benefit from you being married to her? Is she better off because you're around? What does it mean to be a holy employer or a holy employee? What does it mean for you to be godly? Interestingly, got little to do with this building. It's got everything to do with what happens outside this building. Well, Paul um, wrote another letter um, to Timothy. And I want to... When he talks about this idea of godliness, he uses the same phrase that's in Peter. Jill, I'm wondering if you could just come and read this second passage to us. It's the same phrase about growing in godliness, and he just goes into a bit more detail to say how and what does that look like. And it's these, 1 Timothy 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 16. Therefore, Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. This passage comes at the end of a chapter where he's been talking about who gets qualified to be uh, taking responsibilities in church, elders and deacons. So he's still in Paul's mindset, there's still that idea of what do these people look like? What do people look like who can carry responsibility for other people? What do people look like who are a safe pair of hands? What do people look like who you would trust? And he gets to it and he says, I, I, I want, you know, I want to come to you, but if I'm delayed, I want you to know how to act. 
I want, to, I want you to know how to act in a way that other people can trust you. And then he says, the mystery from which true godliness comes springs is great. The mystery in this sense is not a, gosh, a puzzle, I don't know how, you know, I've no idea what it means. A mystery was like a secret that had been revealed to you. So Paul's saying, actually, we know where godliness comes from. And then what he does is he quotes what we think was a hymn, one of the earliest Christian hymns. And it's about Jesus. Of course, it's about Jesus. He appeared in the flesh. He was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken up in glory. And he says, that's where true godliness springs from. And I suppose this is the simple definition of what godliness looks like is, you look a little bit like Jesus. You look a little bit like Jesus. And why would you not? Because the Spirit of God is at work in you. You have the family likeness. You look a little bit like Jesus. And when people meet you in the barbers, it's a little bit like Jesus going to get his hair cut. Which I assume he had to do, by the way. I know he was the son of God, but presumably every six weeks he had to have his hair cut. Along with his nails, by the way, because his nails would grow. But I bet you've never thought about Jesus having to cut his own toenails, have you? You just assume because he was the son of God, presumably that sort of thing didn't happen. And so you and I, who are filled with the Spirit, <laughs> the only thing you can remember of the sermon <laughs> is Jesus cutting his toenails. The only, you and I, filled with the Spirit, have the family likeness of the Son. And that's why when some of you are in work, and it feels like people are always coming to you to tell you their problems. And you wonder why. It's because there's something of Jesus that makes you look like a safe pair of hands. That's why. So if I were to paraphrase this for us, this is... This, the, the, the early hymn, he appeared in the flesh, etc. This is where we live it out. We live it in ordinary life. The New Testament, uh, Paul, Peter, James, the rest of them, were really keen to remind you and keep on reminding you that Jesus had toenails that needed clipping. And I'll tell you for why. Because it was always tempting for people to think that Jesus wasn't quite human enough to need his toenails clipping. That somehow he was more divine than that. And therefore that you would be too. But the truth is that you and I, we live out this life in the midst of the ordinary, messy life. 
not some divine life, but the messiness of life, the messiness of emotion, the messiness of ill health, the messiness of getting older, the pains of rheumatism and the difficulties of um, growing pains if you're young enough. It's lived out in ordinary life. Jesus was vindicated by the Spirit. The thing about Jesus was he was so secure in himself because he knew that he was about the Father's business and the Father would sort it out. He actually hardly ever defended himself. All manner of things, uh, of attacks, sometimes physical, sometimes verbal, he never defended himself. It's like God will sort it out. The most secure person is the one who goes, do you know what? There's room for God to sort this out. I don't need to keep on defending myself. Being defensive is very tiring. Being able to say, I think God will sort this. He appeared in the flesh. He was vindicated by the spirit of securing God's opinion. He was seen by angels, aware of a wider realm. We live in a world with angels who minister to us. God is so committed to us that your whole life is hedged around by his protection and his servants. These angels, sometimes they look like humans and they come out of the mist, as it were, just at the right time, sent by God. Sometimes you just know you're being lifted. You don't know why, but sent by God. The realm is bigger than you imagined. Was preached among the nations. We are called to influence our world, to introduce people to Jesus, and to live in the light of eternity. This is what true godliness is about. You're following in the footsteps of Jesus. He's already done a lot of work. He's done all the heavy lifting by saving us from our sins, by filling us with the Spirit, so that we look a little bit like the family. And in a sense, what I've got to do is make sure I don't muck it up. I've got to try and make sure that my selfishness, my sort of natural tendency to, uh, you know, see the worst of what's going to happen, etc., Try and help that not to get in the way. Because actually, this godliness is something that I'm invited to, to, to enter into. Living in the light of eternity. I wonder what it means for you to be godly. Just have a think for a minute. If... Some of what I've been talking about has helped or made sense at least. What practical difference does it make this week? Think about where you're going to be. Think about what's going to happen. What difference would it mean to walk into the week aware of the call to be godly? Where is it going to be challenged? Where is it going to be stretched? What might it look like? Have a think for a minute.
And then find someone beside you or behind you or in front of you. Go as far as you need to to find someone who looks intelligent. And just ask them, what are you thinking? Where does it work for you? So just around you, where does it work for you? Where does this godliness meet your life? What does it look like? When you're ready, tap someone on the shoulder and go, what do you think? And hope that they have lots to say. Okay, let's, uh, let's, can you do me the favor? Can you do me the honors? So, what might it look like? Where does it get challenged? And what are the questions you might have that are, you are left floating in your head or the comments or the thoughts that you, you had? So, what might it look like? Where does it get challenged? Random thoughts. Just let's take five minutes, perhaps, just to hear from some of you. So, just wave and Steve will come gazelle-like. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, where, where, where does it fit? Who's going to start us? Sorry, let me explain how this works. Um, so I ask the question and then wait a little while and then you just frantically wave and, you, and it's your turn to speak. I, I, I didn't explain myself the first time. Right, so where's it going to be tested? Where's it going to be, how's it work out? Jimmy. See, she, she knows how this game works. It's very good. Um, I think it really kind of um, came home when you said it is exhausting defending yourself, your position, your existence, whatever that looks like. And I'm certainly, I've certainly had a season of facing that. Um, I think for me, it's understanding that the fight really isn't just my own. Um, and then understanding what that means, what that looks like to bring God into it every step of the way, his wisdom. Um, and maybe in some ways how I defend myself, I guess, really is what I'm talking about now. Yeah, that whole idea of how do you defend yourself and how do you, how do you use your, your position, your authority for the sake of others? So, you know, let me not be misheard. Jesus hardly ever defended himself, but he defended others all the time. But yeah, knowing how to do that. You see, Jimmy did really well. That, that's a really good comment, all right? So that was the first comment, so it's only going to get better from here on in. So, someone else, tell me what you're thinking. Yeah, thank you. We'll go to the back, and then to Joe. Keep going, Steve. Gazelle-like. <laughs> A crippled um, gazelle. <laughs> uh, hi, everyone. I'm Jamie. It's my first time here today. But Welcome. Thank you, thank you. But something that came to mind, actually, was how I approach work going forward now and understanding that the Holy Spirit brings about a spirit of excellence. Mm -hmm. So for me and myself, not taking for granted what's been given to me and actually fulfilling my potential and taking everything more serious. And that way, if I take myself more serious and take on more responsibility for who I am, what I'm capable of doing, then other people will see that in me also. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Good. Good comment. Thank you. Joe, jo, down this side. Not that Joe. <laughs> so I think the testing always comes in work. And um, I think it's easy to kind of 
there's an attitude, certainly I work in a hospital, so it's very busy and we're, we're very much in a situation where it's nobody's job. That's said a lot. It's not my job to do that. And everybody's kind of pulling back from what they should be doing. And I think myself and certainly my colleague tend to be quite helpful in work. And I think sometimes it just feels like people will then recognise that and come to you. But something that you said about I don't always think that I hold in mind that thing of maybe they're seeing something yeah. that is godlike. I think we just kind of mumble amongst ourselves going, oh, here we go. They're coming to us because they know that we'll get it done and we'll yeah. never sort of say no. But yeah. I think it just sort of reminded me of that, that maybe they are actually seeing something more than yeah. where just people will say yes. So. They can't use you as a doormat if you choose to serve. People can't use you if you choose to serve. Thank you. Anybody else? What, what are you thinking? Yeah, we've got Yvonne down here. Uh, Steve? He just needed to sit down for a while because it's quite tiring what he's doing right now. <laughs> um, yeah, we were talking about work situations, but the situation I had this week was when somebody disagreed with me over something but if they went the route they did, others would suffer. Mm. So I had to stand up to them and say, no, I'm sorry, you're wrong. And they've gone into a dizzy fit with me. Yeah. And that's really hard, because I don't know quite where I go with that one. Yeah. But I know I have to protect the vulnerable people. Yeah, yeah. and sometimes, it, sometimes the price you pay is that people, yeah, they, they cross with you. We're going to take one or two more. Anybody else? Yeah, Hannah. And do you want to come back? Yeah. We were saying it's basically who you spend the most of your time with. And actually, for a lot of us, that's home. And home is... It's your safe place. And you should be... You feel safe to be who you are but actually sometimes you do still need to bite your tongue and you do still need to think about your reaction reactions with those people who you live constantly with especially if you're a parent you're trying to be an example to your child and so actually that's often a really difficult place to be mm. because those people know how to press your buttons and rub you up the wrong way very easily mm. And so sometimes we do need to remember, actually, I'm still an example at home. Yeah, and when we've been given out everywhere else, home is where you go, but then it's also where all manner of other things can kick off. Anybody else? We're going to sing together. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. I'm, uh, what, we, what are we going to sing? Here we go. Excellent. Excellent song to sing. We're going to, we'll sing this song through once. Um, but, but stay sitting while we sing it. Because then what I want to do is I want to invite those of you, particularly in work settings, and I'm not dismissing the rest of you by saying that, but just at the moment, for those of you that are in work settings where you go, that's where my godliness is really challenged the most. If I'd like you just to, I'd invite you to stand and we're going to pray for you very specifically.
So your work might be paid or unpaid. It's not about whether you're employed. It's about the work you do. So Yvonne is not employed financially for the work she does, but she said it's my workplace because she volunteers there. So it's not about whether you get paid, but it's just the context you're in and say, actually, that's where it's a challenge, and that's where I want to be filled with the Spirit for the context I'm in there. This song's a great song to start. Let's sing this through once, and then I'll come back and we'll pray for you. If those words resonate with you because of where you're going to be this week, particularly in a work context, do you want to just stand to your feet and we'll pray? There's a whole stack of people standing and um, you just might want to look around you and uh, if you're sitting... Would you go and stand with them and just put your hand on their shoulder? Just see who's standing. Make sure that no one's standing alone. I want to check that no one's standing alone. Anybody standing with that? Anybody? No one got missed? May you who stand, may you know the empowering of the Spirit that will change you from glory to glory. May you know that in your work setting. May you be the people that others turn to gladly and often. May you be the people who are the safe pair of hands because there's something of Jesus uh, uh, that they're aware of, even if they can't name. May you know the power of the Spirit, that as you serve the people around you, you do it with joy. May you that feel overlooked and underappreciated, may you know the reward of the Father. May you who fear what others think of you, may you know the shield of the Spirit that will guard you from the opinion of others. May you know the joy of service. May you walk tomorrow into work knowing that the Father who loves you, who sent his Son to die for you, whose Spirit fills you, is ever with you. And may he give you wisdom. When you need to make decisions, when you need to make reactions, may the wisdom of God be yours. May he guard your tongue so that you don't speak things that you would wish you hadn't. But may the beauty of Jesus be seen in all you do. May you be godly in your context for his glory in the name of Jesus.